Good morning, afternoon, wherever you are. Thank you for listening to the Disco Posse podcast. My name is Eric Wright. I'm going to be your host. And this is a really great, both fun and informative and also technical discussion with Shlomi Levine. Shlomi is the CTO and co-founder of Perception Point. We get into how he got this platform started, the background, what it does around prevention of service, and a ton more. But there's really just a, an exploration of the idea of Startup Nation uh, in Israeli startups, the way in which they've discovered how they needed to solve this problem of product market fit. It's a really fantastic, I must listen for anybody who's in the startup space at all. But before we get started, I got to give a shout out, of course, to the folks that make this podcast happen, including our fine friends at Veeam Software. Please go check it out. Everything you need for your data protection needs. I say that because that is literally from end to end, whether it's going to be your on-premises environment, whether it's virtualization, containers as a service. If you're in Kubernetes, they can run their new, cool new cast and stuff. Uh, we've also got fully orchestrated recovery with Vidro, the Veeam disaster recovery orchestrator platform. You want to hear about ransomware and how to stop it? Well, you can't stop it, but what you can do is you can recover from it. So check out, go to vee.am forward slash Disco Posse and find out more about all that they're offering there. Uh, so thank you to the folks at Beam. Also, if you want to enjoy some devilishly good coffee and enjoy now the available limited edition Devil's Breath t-shirt, a fine and amazing limited edition art item that's coming from Diabolical Coffee. Uh, it's presented by Zine Rashidi, who's a fantastic artist, somebody who you are going to want to check out. This is our first shot at a limited edition tea, so go to diabolicalcoffee.com. I'm the co-founder. Got to give full disclosure there, but hey, check it out. It's also fantastically good coffee, devilishly good, diabolically awesome swag. Go check it out. Go to diabolicalcoffee.com. And of course, hey, one quick shout out, head over to velocityclosing.com. You want to connect with people, learn how to sell things technically, do it. All right, here's the show. Hi, this is Shlomi Levine, the CTO of uh, Perception Point, and you're listening to Disco Posse Podcast. Shalomi, thank you for joining. Yeah. Uh, I was excited when I saw your name show up on the guest list. I was like, ah, oh, this is cool. Both, you know, your own personal background is is really cool. And uh, on the platform and, and company side, I've I've been keen. Uh, I This is an exciting space in the tech world right now. Everything yeah. around security and, uh, you know, the the move, you know, people often talk about shift left and we'll talk about a lot of different things, but for folks that are new to you, uh, if you want to give a quick background on yourself and then perception point, and then we'll jump in and we'll talk about, you know, what's the the challenge that, that you and the team are taking on. Sure. As I'm very excited to be here, Eric. Thank you. Thank you for taking the, um, the opportunity, giving me the opportunity and, um, a bit about myself. Um, I've been in the space of cybersecurity since I was like 12. <laughs> um, <laughs> Early riser. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we had like uh, in Israel, I'm, I'm based out of Tel Aviv. In Israel, so uh, we had these forums of, you know, uh, hacking forums and all the 
or uh, and also the, the the general world community with um the, the tutorials used to be like an ascii art i don't know if anyone remembers that oh, stuff yeah, but uh, yeah yeah <laughs> that's how, how far it goes like so uh, it always fascinated me the the space um which then got my piqued my interest um to further read and then get more into programming and to um networks how they actually work uh which really helped me um get into the military so i was uh, i served in the intelligence and in, uh, idf um in the intelligence course and then um fast forward uh, five years <laughs> uh yeah i um i i got out i was you know i finished my service um and then i went to study um computer science in a university called barilan in israel um and in parallel i, was, I worked for cybersecurity companies uh one was trustier on the research team and then um i moved to a company called cyvera um uh, which was uh, dealt with anti-exploitation in the endpoint. Forgot to say, Trustier, we were doing uh, banking Trojans. It was a, it was a, back then we were reverse engineering uh, the beginning, the rise of banking Trojans. You know, oh, I don't wow. yeah, it was fascinating um, the way to see how the criminals were evolving in order to you know extract money and and then get in there. And, and this is when what we call today, you know, the whole um, economical uh, like stealing stuff it's what's hot today is ransomware but back in the day it used to be banking trojans right um and how it evolved and, and that story is, is fascinating and how the the criminals and the, they run their back ends and how they funnel money and all that kind of stuff it's it's really it's really cool stuff um and then after cyvera it got acquired by palo alto networks um i was there for a bit and then uh, i co-founded perception point with two friends from the army uh, each one was in their own startup um, in the ecosystem in 2013-14 was a very hot uh, in the Israeli cybersecurity ecosystem. A lot of the companies were acquired by bigger ones. So we were basically out of companies to work, startups to work for. So we made our own. <laughs> Went in there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it yeah, what's, so what's really cool is it's funny you talk about this like I, you see the waves of you know sort of like there's a founding wave and then they generally all get acquired in a range of time and yes. then yeah like you said you, you go back you've got all these folks that you know had a successful exit and then they're looking for the next thing and then yeah like you said you you walk around you're like well every everyone's been acquired i yeah <laughs> i, I, I guess we're just gonna start again <laughs> yeah um it's very much like that in uh also in the culture in, in the Israeli culture, it's it's very much quick, um, you know, run. Uh, there's actually an interesting book called Startup Nation that tries to understand why is it like that? Yeah. Why is there an ex an exit culture here um, as opposed to a uh, an IPO culture, which is very big in the States where people build companies to last longer. And here it's very it's sold very quickly. Um, and I think it's uh, the ecosystem in Israel has changed uh, over the past couple of years, very, very recently. Where we're seeing a lot more what we call now today unicorns but um just companies that are rising in israel to build and to stay and to and to have a lot of employees and and to even go on uh the nasdaq so yeah it's, it's there's a changing shift but uh back in 13 14 <laughs> it was yeah. uh yeah it was different well it's funny it's not that long ago but yet it was a, a fundamentally different ecosystem especially like you said like so startup nation fantastic read for folks they should they should get it in and it was neat to see, like you said, there's a there's a pattern 
And yeah. also the other thing with a lot of, uh, you know, you know, you never want to give a generalization, but many of the startups and, and many of the sort of, like you said, the Israeli, the culture of, of this is it's strong research backed, very, you know, there's a lot of education and research that then launches a startup on the, on the you know North American side, there's there's some kid sitting in a Starbucks who sees somebody's dog going to the bathroom on the sidewalk, and they says, "I'm going to come up with the the poop master," and like that's it. They incorporated <laughs> in Delaware from Starbucks, and then they they launch a single page funnel, and that's like, and their goal is either it's like product based, or then you've got you know the affiliate stuff and YouTubers, and you got all this kind of ecosystem, and then on the business side. It's always been this uh, true sort of capitalistic reach for, you know, ringing the bell, uh, you know, for the for the NYSE and, and stuff like this. So it's it, as historically, I'd say, because the banking systems were so fundamentally different. I think the startup culture mapped a lot to it. But now we're seeing much more sort of global opportunities. And, yeah. And heck, these days now, like that, the, the poop master can just you know, reverse into a SPAC and then they're a public company the next day. That's, that seems to be the new thing. Right. And then sell an NFT of the business plan. I, that seems to be where everybody goes now. <laughs> oh, no, I, I guess <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even have words already to describe this whole thing that's going on, but it's fascinating. It's, um, I, I laugh. Regarding the bell. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like in the time that we've seen in, in just in the last year, it's so wild to see the differences. I mean, the world changed a lot, obviously, in, in many ways over the last while. But uh, sorry, I cut you off there. You're going to say about the bell. Yeah, the, about the reaching for the bell. I agree. I mean, it's a, it's 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 a different. Also, managing companies as as a, and understanding how to build that is a, also a very big culture thing, which I think in Israel, a lot of the research and the management is kind of mirrored by the military or because people do the military at a young age, that is how they're primed, if you want to call it. Right. And that therefore then it takes more of an angle to that aspect. But um, a lot of the management I believe already in Israel now is, is way is, is older. They, they've already, you know, the initial priming has maybe, you know, reduced on them and now they're already more corporate, if you want to call it like that. <laughs> Um, and also there's, uh, I mean, I don't, I, th I, I like running with smaller teams, you know, um, more startup-y as opposed yeah. to corporate. So it can also be a personality thing as well. Yeah. You tend to also see a lot of, uh, especially like folks that are in the, you know, the startup area of, of the ecosystem, they have sweet spots of like, you, you can see them. Like I, I work with a lot of sales teams and, and technical teams, like through different phases of startups and, and you'll see them and they'll be like, Oh, we're at like 1 million in ARR. I'm getting a little weirded out. Like they start, they're like, they, they like zero to a million and then one to 10 million. And you see these kind of like waves of people that come in and then you see, they leave, they go to the next startup and they, they do the same thing because they're particularly good at that phase of build. And so it was neat that you, you know, went and now you've seen different phases of, you know, joining a company and then going to the ground up and actually founding. Yeah, I, I a very different do, responsibility, right? Yeah, um, I can also address that um, that change that you spoke about, that point in time. But I think we should get, a, we should get the uh, later in the conversation because should start like in the beginning. We were talking about. Um, I'll log into the trends. You're saying that the waves, they come. And, and 
when we found a perception point, uh, I like talking about it as a surfer, you know, sitting on the, on the ocean where the, the, what we call the, the break of the wave line. That's yeah. where you wait for the waves to come. Uh, and then when a wave comes, so that year, 2015, or was the deception in cybersecurity, it was the deception wave. Um, so we found it perception point because we were thinking about names like deception point inception or deception inception perception, that kind of stuff. Uh, point was because we were initially an endpoint company. Um, so we, we founded a, a cybersecurity company that dealt with deception in the endpoint. That was basically the, the twist off there because um, back then all the deception companies that were around were network based. So we went for right. the endpoint. Um, we raised money on that uh, and we worked on it for six months. And then we started doing uh, customer engagement, like trying to understand, or oh, as, the, I mean, we pivoted after six months, but during those six months, we were talking to uh, potential customers, trying to see how the story resonates um, and, um, and get a product market fit. But um, it wasn't resonating properly and we weren't getting good feedbacks. So we kind of went back to the drawing board and um, uh, we kind of brainstormed together and we got to, uh, we have deep knowledge between the, the founders, the three of us back then, um, in, and in exploitation um, or mitigation and um, what we call the academic world called CFI, control flow integrity. Um, so just by chance, uh, Intel PT was just introduced there in, uh, I think it was August, 15 and we had already been at around January 16 and then we looked and we said okay we know that there are technologies um, that you can build using Intel PT which is um, Intel processor trace what it does is it gives you the insight of what exactly the CPU is executing uh, as, as it happens it's like a network tap just for the CPU right and it gives you evidence for branching instructions so any assembly opcode, which will be ret, call, or jump, which basically transfers execution. And that's how you implement logic in, uh, in computers, basically. Um, the Intel PT will give you evidence that that, that occurred, that happened. And then what you have the tool to do with is to reconstruct the execution flow. So this is back when we, you know, from a business perspective, we understood that our technology that we were building is not going to succeed. So we needed to go Back to the drawing board, we found this technology and this kind of uh, little blurb that I just gave you about now, and we decided to go for it. it um, that's, and that is not a... No one can understand when they don't go through that. There, yeah. There's two important parts of that story. One is that you have to be able to survive a lot of no to get to what will be a... You know, we talk about product market fit. Yep. And this, you know, what we what we call the pivot quite often is a very unsexy, you know, thing that we when you read the books, it's always like, you know, and the chapter three, the pivot, you know, and you're like, it, it's as if it happened over a weekend and they went to a retreat and they and they said, OK, let's let's change it up. You're like, no, this is like you you go to the market, you test it out. You're you're doing this pre revenue as well, which is incredibly difficult because you're, it's a faith-based mission at that point yes. that we're going to solve this problem. And then, like you said, in customer interaction, in that sort of lean methodology, 
you're iterating and testing and saying like, would this work? And like you said, then all of a sudden here's Intel PT and they completely twist the market and you're like, okay, all right, now, now we have to move to a different place where we can do this. And so it's uh, exciting that, you know, you had the fortitude and the intellect, you know, to push through it and then take your methodology and then move it to the right abstraction where you can actually apply it. Yeah, exactly. And when we started telling the story, we even, you know, there's always an intersection in the in the timeline, right? So we 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 know that we're um we're getting a lot of no's. Okay, so let's let's change up the story. So we knew what we, we sat for. I remember the meeting where we sat. And we we looked at each other and we're like, all right, okay, so we're gonna do what you called the the pivot, like the but it's over a piece. There's a time, but there is an actual meeting that we were sitting at my friend's apartment, uh, <laughs> and we and we said, all right, let's do it. And then we started pitching um, the new technology, which will be um, j- j- like just the tech, just to understand, and the and the, and, and the feedback was completely different. And then yeah. we knew that we were we were on the track for something much more interesting. Uh, and then we came to the to the core team, to the um, the devs, and we started outlining what what needs to be done and how we see it happening. And then we started working on on that and and writing it up. Um, which evolved to be what we call today the hardware-assisted platform. Um, in a nutshell, it's a detonation box or a sandbox, if you want to call it, in where we can record the actual, the actual ex- um, execution flow of a process inside a virtual machine. Um, so we enabled the Intel PT. We have our own patches. Uh, we wrote over KVM, um, where we enable ourselves to monitor process running inside the KVM from the outside. Um, so host monitoring the internal guests. We do this for you know for security reasons because virtual machines are isolated. Right. Um, so and you or at least wanna... they should be. Wait, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> about we find out they aren't, but uh, <laughs> but oh, you find out they aren't. Actually, it's really what, yeah. what we can say. <laughs> yeah, we've seen in Pontu recently really really respectful uh, exploit chains from the renderer inside user mode going to the kernel and then outside to VM escape very very impressive stuff yeah um, so we're so basically yeah so we're, we're monitoring only the the guest the, the process inside also user and kernel um, in where we get the execution flow from the Intel PT and then we can say you know it gives you like a left right left right like the the CPU at this point in memory um, decided to take that jump, and then you can follow it. Um, in parallel, you also need to get the actual memory that was executed. There's a whole lot of engineering to do that as well. You need to um, any page that was uh, was run by the CPU, you need to have access to, so that the decoder and run um, when it re- reconstructs the execution, it can actually you know it has two pillars. It has the actual left right data, the Intel PT data. And the actual the map. So think about it as a maze, right? So you have a, a map of the maze, and then you have a left right at every corner where you went, <laughs> and then that's how you reconstruct the execution, and then you can know exactly what the process did. By the way, we do this live. So as the process runs inside, we're already looking at it to see where it's going, and then because it's a controlled environment, a sandbox, we know what are legal and illegal. Uh, if you want to call jumps or corner taking um, as the execute the program executes, and this is what we call or the academic world calls CFI um, right. control flow integrity. So we can assess the integrity of the flow of the CPU while it renders certain inputs. 
an input, which is mainly um, when you go to enterprise security, is documents that are flowing into your enterprise, uh, be them office documents or PDF documents, uh, links that are coming in. So the um, uh, browsers are rendering the links. Okay, so right. then you need to see. Um, today, you know, Chromium uh, has taken over as the the engine. So for Edge and uh, and and Chrome, so you have the the same core. Um, but you also have Firefox, so you need to see that the integrity of Firefox is kept and the integrity of Chromium with the same technology that I described, right? You run it inside a virtual machine, um, and then you see if the control flow is 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 good or not. Um, yeah, so that's that's basically one aspect, uh, and the core IP or technology that we started out with back in there it takes it takes a long time to write this stuff. To, I was going to say, this is it, it, it's not a simple task here. Like it, just even mapping the flow in trying to explain to people, like, first of all, you've got just pure CPU. Uh, then you've got stuff that traverses across L1, L2 cache. Intel particularly good at moving, you know, many transactions down into L1 cache. They've elevated, like I said, the exposure of the understanding. Then you move over to page, you know, TPS, transparent, that, that's pre-hypervisor, in-hypervisor, in VM, like the amount of places that, that that page traverses and then to tie it back to the processor turning point is an incredibly complex thing. It sounds sounds like a neat, like almost like a minority report type of like thing you would put on screen of like, this is where it turned left and this is where it turned right and this is the page. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, but doing this yeah. in real time is disturbingly difficult. Um, it, uh, I can talk about the performance, which was very interesting. When we start, we first started the, um, the these playing around with it. It would take us about. Uh, there's a lot of data there. Okay, so it was t the decoder and the and the data. So we're looking at about 500 megabytes of trace data and about 100. Um, let's say what we're looking at 100 megabytes of memory as a, as the you know of the timeline that it was of images that were executed. And the decoder at the time would take it about 10 minutes, five to 10 minutes to run. Right. So we're looking at like, well, we're looking at three megabytes per second speeds. And I was saying, no, this can't be like, you know, we want to do this. <laughs> this it, is it, not going to be feasible. <laughs> yeah, this isn't feasible because then the the client has to wait per, let's say if it's whatever it is, and if it's in an email. So the way, you know, you're going to make now your cause a delay of five minutes. So that's unacceptable for, for the business. Yeah. Um, so we kept on uh, peeling it and peeling it and looking at what packets of Intel PT are interesting for us, what aren't interesting. Um, wow, uh, you're bringing me back years. Yeah? <laughs> so <laughs> that's how it was in the beginning. Um, yeah. Should I go down? Should I, should I try and go as deep? Yeah. This is, a, this is a, I, I'm, I love getting a lesson, you know, and, and especially, oh. like I said, we, we look at the theoreticals and we often see where, you know, it could be, and like, I remembered Intel when they, when they announced this and like, I saw some of the early work that was being done by the internal team and, and them sharing it. And it was like, oh, this is neat. But then it was difficult to understand where it was going to be exploited both on the good and the bad. And I exploit is, I'll say leverage, but yeah, I used, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I use the word exploit in both a, a positive and negative context and that you're, you're using this capability and you you have a choice whether you're you know white hat or black hat is how you use it but it was 
fantastic that they suddenly exposed this capability. But then the first thing I think is like, well, the bad guys are particularly good at exploiting these things. Now we need to see who can come on the white hat side and, and do this discovery. Yeah, and they they intended it to be uh, they being Intel intended it to be for debugging and performance evaluation for right, software. Yeah. So it's the part irony, of the tune. That's yeah. right. It was something that was it was meant for a separate purpose, but then could be exploited in a different way, yeah. which is quite often how any of these you know zero days get discovered. It was like, oh yeah, darn it, this was a debugging flag, you know. But this is like hardware level byte coded. Yeah very different layer in which that this is this is transacting uh, um, i'll give you the the black hat side of it so there was a research paper by uh i'm forgetting their name now the cyber security company um cyber arc they oh, came yeah. out with a they came out with an acute little research that they did where if you're on the already on the computer and you want to spy on different processes what you can do is you can turn on intel pt and then um, it will show you where the CPU is in, uh, in memory. The problem is then you need to start also reading the, uh, the memory of the process in order to reconstruct. And then it just becomes a bit, um, a bit more like uh, too much work. Like if you're already sitting on the, on, inside the operating system, so then you already have much more control than what you need from Intel PT. Maybe actually for um, virtualizations, if you're sitting, let's say, inside a VM um, on a cloud provider, and you can maybe turn on the Intel PT from the underlying and make him filter out a different um, virtual machine's uh, processes. Then you can be um, actually looking at other people. That can also be an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, we I haven't done research in that area. Maybe that's an interesting place to look at. Well, and we saw a real case. I mean, I can't remember exactly when it was. It had to be good like five, four or five years ago. But I remember when KVM, it was discovered that there was this type of an exploit capability and everybody found out real fast what AWS used as their hypervisor because all of a sudden every AWS instance on earth had to be restarted in order to put this patch in place for what was found to be as a zero day that had been exploited. And there was an active exploit in the wild. And all of a sudden, like, oh, I'm getting all these emails from all my AWS instances have to reboot all of a sudden. I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> it's real. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's big. Um, so back to the decoding performance uh, issue that we saw. So Intel PT, um, the decoder that is uh, maintained by um, the guys at Intel, um, has a couple of layers inside, um, one being the packet layer. So it's basically, it reviews the packet. And that can achieve, if you only go over the packets in the trace, remember about an average of 500 megs per second, Right. Um, you can achieve, well, from tests that I did, uh, 100 megabytes per second. So then there's, there's hope. <laughs> yeah. I was describing a, a five-minute um, um, uh, time to, take, to go over the trace. But if you do it at a different level, which means the packet layer, you can get to five seconds. And then that's where, that was the first um, uh, like understanding. And then we said, okay, so... Let's try and see how we can apply our exploit detection algorithms, but at the packet layer, at the faster layer. And then came a whole saga of, um, of making it to that speed or using that layer. Um, uh, the other layers inside are what we call the disassembly layer. So it's basically you get a full disassembly of the execution trace. That's where it consults memory and basically 
redoes them retells the story of what opcodes were executed one after the the other the other but the packet layer only gives you like left right left right i jumped here i jumped there and then only when you need you can consult the memory so all you want to do all the time is reduce the amount of um, disassembly that you need to actually do in runtime and try and stay only at um, the intel pt data in order to understand that it's a discrepancy and then you'll go and do the heavier um uh workloads just to make sure that like what we call the cyber checks and stuff and then that's basically it's always been like that in computers right so trade off to what more you need to inspect at uh, at different times in order to get right. better performance um we achieved a speed of about i think it was 30 megabytes per second wow so that's good so we brought back to, we brought it down to about um 25 seconds um a trace uh so which was which now we're already looking good right so what we would do is that we would record stop and then decode and then like and, and then scan so then we did uh something that we called online scanning so we'd fold the record and the scanning at the same time so now you're getting it um at the, so you're you're utilizing it so instead of taking let's say 15 second record or 30 second record and then 25 so under a minute now you're getting it under 30 seconds wow Um and now and the latest thing is that we're just implementing our own decoder and we're getting to speeds of now um 60 70 megabyte per second analysis so we're ready real time so as the trace it's just basically the time that the renderer inside the virtual machine needs to take to render it and then we're already clearing the processing on the outside and then once we we know what's going on um yeah that's so it's real time now Now again and it's tough sometimes for people to understand when we think about you know the you know people hear about quantum and they hear about all these incredible speeds we can achieve with computing They're like you know this is like in flight processing of of live data that's being measured in a transaction that you don't know what the transaction flow is like on the software like so like there are software specific things that people go they build heuristics they trap certain things like there's lots of ways like at rest we're trying to capture stuff and it's hard at rest you're talking about doing stuff in real time and this is a fundamental problem that most people thought couldn't be solved which is why everybody in cybersecurity moved to at rest or at the ingress Mhm. But you've yeah, so, solved so this we, interesting problem now where you've you've actually unlocked potential which people it was much harder to think about solving it where you're solving it than it was just to hey we'll just wait till it lands and then we'll try and catch it, you know, at rest. Yeah, no, so this is all yeah, this is all done before it comes into um um the organization. Um what I wanted to say about ah So a lot of the the decoding stuff a lot of the domain knowledge that we um started learning now is the whole virtualization platforms and stuff like we we were more from the exploit world but now we came more into system right so so the the way we can play with the online stuff that you're that you're saying is basically um you play with the vm exit and the vm enters and then the, you time it like that I liked do you remember how um there were airplanes once upon a time fighter airplanes that had a gatling gun behind the propeller how does that work right, right. You know, was, <laughs> so that was what i told the developers in the team i was like if they can make that fire bullets through a uh, a propeller then we can 
do our decoding in between the CPU execution um, while it runs. That's the kind of metaphor that I would uh, may like look for. It is, yeah. uh, and, and again, it's this is the first principles thinking, which is it's very difficult. And I said massive respect to you and the team for what you're doing because you just said like, no, 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 we're gonna we're gonna solve what what is was generally deemed as either intractable or not worth solving. <laughs> and it's a it's tough to find people that are willing to take that on and then to build a commercial a commercially viable opportunity around it as well which is you know and the 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 good thing i never would say the good thing about security being a wreck right now in the world is that like people are much more aware that yeah. this is where we need to begin so at, like the businesses are are aware when you look at stuff like going on you know with the dark side attack and in fact like little did i know that there was going to be this thing called ransomware as a service like not only is it a service but they have an affiliate program like th this is <laughs> this is the true you know heartbleed has a better marketing department than most startups <laughs> we've, we've become very aware that like this is this is where the new battleground is and so we have to change the way that we think about it in the same way that the Spartans, no one would have told them they were going to succeed or that was a good idea. If you look at the long game, it didn't actually work out. But, you know, for the 300 movie storyline, at least it was like in the face of adversity, they went to first principles and they took down, you know, they took down the giant as a result. And you are now is it using the same principles and solving now, again, right, so what most people would deem as intractable. So we so yeah so we went we went very fundamental and as well like you said the commercial side is very important here because in the end of the day is how are you going to now make this technology accessible to the the, the market um, and that's is that's where we started this is now we're about I mean obviously the development that I I just described took over it's a four year project still going on right so that's a, since we pivoted we're about five and a half years yeah about a year and a half in or yeah no six months in so no it's four and a half years in development um and the first so what we what we thought to take it commercially at first was to email security that that was our first um idea and back then we talked about waves so sas was uh was starting to be i mean this is it's not a that's a tidal wave sas <laughs> yeah it's, that's uh, right. it's, it's a concept it's a paradigm shift as they say um so that that was the new thing. So we we didn't even we it was funny. Um, Perception Point has always been uh, parallel to um, that show called Silicon Valley. Uh, you know, PP Perception Point Pi Piper. Uh, we had there was a competitor I was asked about called um, not competitor another cybersecurity company called End Game, and in uh, in uh, in the show they had End Frame, which was kind of <laughs> funny. Yeah, it is, and then. It's it's hard to tell sometimes whether Silicon Valley is a parody or a documentary. <laughs> wow, it is so it's well done. I mean, really kudos to the creators and the writers, and it's an amazing, amazing, amazing piece of work, an art. And uh, and we, then we brought in the CEO, and but he said to us, "We're we're building a cloud," and we told him we're building a box. So it was kind of the opposite. <laughs> um, and then yeah, we went and we we did the we did a cloud service basically. So where we run these um, hardware assisted platforms uh, inside a cloud provider 
uh, on uh, bare metal servers because we needed access to the actual CPU right. because of the feature that we discussed. And then, um, and then we started understanding that to take something commercial is a lot more work than just uh, you know eating assembly for breakfast. It doesn't. It's, <laughs> that's not good. It's not going to help you. You need uh, to build a whole um, operation around this. And, and this is uh, also what happened in parallel over the um, since um, the CEO came in, Joram Salinger. Uh, and we've been working um, ever since uh, to build first the email security platform, and then we expanded to what we call collaboration messaging and collaboration platforms. So today, because of the explosion of SaaS, so companies are consuming SaaS channels or products. So Salesforce is consumed as a service today, and um, file collaborations such as Dropbox, Box, OneDrive, G Drive are consumed as well. Um, but then we saw that no one was actually looking at the data that is being piped into the organization through those channels. And we just built a threat detection platform. That's what we did as cybersecurity professionals. So we're like, okay, so let's connect the two. So we started an email because that's what we knew um, also from our military backgrounds and from where usually the attack attackers come in from. It's usually from the email. And then we started seeing other channels that um, this happened in 2008, 17, 18. That's when that kind of started coming in to play um, as integrations with uh, those services. So, yeah. So, so and, now, and now I need to talk about the other um, technologies that we built. So yeah, this was a bit about the commercial. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and, and just like you said, it, it's, a, it's a careful balance. And it's a, remember, people are doing this while... Like it, they're both in parallel and they're generally like a lot of the same resources being tapped because you have to think about like I could market and create a sales messaging for a product. But then I go to you and say, OK, Shlomi, I just told this company, I told, you know, Bank of, of Netherlands that we can do this thing. And you're going to say, we, we can't do that yet. We could do it. I'm like, well, I just sold it. You know, like we often get this. You know, there's a, a real sort of dodge thrust parry, you know, fencing type of relationship between the the business as a chief revenue officer and a chief executive officer. And then the CTO, where you're yes. saying what we can do that's marketable and sellable, deliverable now, what's directional within the next six to 12 months, which is, you know, roadmap. And then you have to be also aware of where the the puck or the ball or whatever is going because you, you can't just be building for 12 months. You have to always think of the long game, but then execute at different phases throughout. It's a, it's a very careful balance. Eric, I couldn't agree more with you. And you, I really agree with your, the way you said the parry and the dance and the, the way you go, it's very accurate. And I can even tail it into like, from my experience, like, to say that I remember we would go to clients in the beginning and we were offering mainly the hardware assisted platform, which is good at detecting files and maybe, you know, zero days and stuff. But the mo the, 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 like most of the attacks that you see out there are phishing links and uh, macros inside of office documents. <laughs> and we built a Thor hammer to come and take out a zero day. And, and so then, then we're like, okay, okay, okay. So now we need to listen to the market. And um, then we started dealing a lot with um, URLs uh, and putting a lot of effort there in, um, 
identifying uh, phishing sites. And uh, we built an engine that um, it basically surfs to the sites and, and also surfing, building the DevOps of this stuff is a, is a whole different topic. Um, you know, the, we, we also have to act like attackers, right? Because um, the attackers always attack through different, um, like, like take for some, uh, instance, Tor. So Tor is always chaining their um, their IP so that they're always masked away from the, the assets. Right. So we also need to mask ourselves because they can identify perception point as a threat detection service and then block them from the attack. So you we can have, have a persistent endpoint, yeah, a persistent egress every time you're like, well, I think we know who this is. <laughs> yeah, and and the attackers as well, they're they've really evolved, and they they remember they have a, what we call IP books, right? Like a book list. Oh yes, they manage it. Yeah, we've attacked this IP before already, so we're not going to send them the payload again. You know, they're, yeah, they're no suckers, those guys. Um, so we also have to evade and and do all these kind of evasion techniques on our side. And then basically we take a screenshot of the, the site and then this screenshot is then um, compared with uh, image comparison algorithms to see if, cause we know how um, the, the uh, uh, office 365 login page looks like, or we know how the Gmail page looks like. So we compare them and if the domain is different, then we know we have a phishing site. Once we, we that engine took a bit time to write, but then once we, when we start seeing that then you see now their clients are not saying no right away because now you're starting to catch more of their their where it hurts them and i remember those first the, the, um, it was about well, i don't know maybe 2017 was a year where we we dealt only with technologies that we needed in order to make our offering and our our threat detection stack fatter so Basically, the three types of files, if you want to call them that, or for three types of entities that Perception Point um, uh, is an expert in is files, URLs, and um, EMLs, or SMTP hygiene, because that was another uh, problem that we saw. The, a big problem today, uh, um, us being a player in the email security, is what we call business email compromise, BEC, in where um, it's more on the fraud, it's more on the... The attackers are trying to look like someone that you know, right? Uh, and then they'll go and impersonate someone that you know to get the likelihood of whatever they want to do to you. And they've gone so far as not even send files or links to attack you anymore. They're attacking you with words. They're telling you to transfer funds to them from this account and this account, and it works. <laughs> it's, in, I mean, the, it's, yeah, there's a reason this stuff is. Uh, we sort of, when we're in tech, we kind of joke of like, oh my goodness, you know, Royal Bank of of Canada just sent me a link, and it's like, you know, xy24.rbc-online-something.xyz. Yeah. And you're like, come on, everybody will know this. You're like, no, no, you don't understand. Like, this is this is why we have DKIM. This is why we have all these different technologies to try and, you know, detect it in email. But it's like this, just the good old-fashioned human going, I see the RBC logo. I'm going to click this just to make sure. Exactly. Yeah. So that took us down that endeavor um, of uh, emails, um, hygiene, I like to call it, link hygiene and then file and file hygiene where we started. Um, to build a complete suit. And then I remember um, I came to the other co-founder and I was like, so how the how's it going now in the funnel? And like when you bring on POC and he's like, listen, it's different now. Yeah. And then we knew 
you really know that you've already you've solved the problem like that yeah. that problem now that we could and and clients were telling us sorry like we don't want to use your service because it's not good enough now it was being turned around and 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 then we started seeing it, it's amazing just just like we spoke about in the beginning where you tell a story um at the investor stage right and then you iterate it and you get the feedback and then um you even if you succeed to invest money on an idea it still doesn't mean you're going to penetrate the market Right. And make yeah, and then you and, need to listen to the market, and then you need to pivot in that case. And then also, once you have the technology and you have the direction, you're still going to be getting the feedback, and you're going to still need to iterate. And it's uh, it's the story of the the startup. <laughs> well, and and there's many bets being made along the way, both at the finance level, at the creator, like the innovator level, and at the customer level. You have this the unfortunate problem too, is like you're going into the situation where even where people totally agree and you've probably had this customers like you know or prospect as we call them i hate that word but a prospective customer they say like i totally get this and like shlomi i'm all about what you're doing and we definitely need this my concern is that you guys are you know 2.7 years old and i've got company X and company Y that are like, they say they're heading in this direction and they've been around for 12 years. So you have this unfortunate problem where, especially a large organization, yeah, it oh, traditionally was difficult. It's getting, I think it's getting better because they're seeing that, like, you know, when you look at like, especially major banking and financial, they have more developers than the hypervisor providers. Like they have more developers on staff than most of their technology vendors. So they are a bit more in tune now to like, okay, we got this really wicked cool Israeli startup and I think it, we should try their platform out. There's a little bit more of an appetite, but it's still like the commercial side of it is incredibly difficult. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God I'm not in that aspect. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and this is, it's funny when we, we often say that, but like as a CTO, you have a unique responsibility on every side of the business and that you're actually yeah, closer right. to the commercial yes. side than, than yeah, anybody yeah, yeah. would realize, right? But it's, you know, I often, like people always say that like, oh, I'm in technical marketing or whatever. They're like, I'm not in sales. I'm like, we're all in sales, kid. Everybody in effect is a Amen. forward face of this company. And if you don't understand the impact of the technology on, you know, how it will be sold and consumed, then, you know, it'll be a short life for that person in an organization sometimes just because they, they really do, especially in a startup world, like you said, you have to be talking about agile and, you know, whatever the, the phrasing is we tell it's, uh, it's, it's super exciting, but it's, it's fraught with challenge. <laughs> and we are, we are all in sales. I, I really agree with that. And, uh, and I've had my fair share of, uh, of customer interactions and then being in there. Um, and also that, I mean, that would be also a lot of, um, that's uh, the co-founder and, um, and I, so, uh, he, he's more of that side, um, along with the, with the CEO and stuff, but the other co-founder was much more into, um, on that aspect. And then I would be more on the technology, but, um, even today, you know, it's, it's, it's fun talking to the customers and understanding, and some of them actually. The CISOs, they 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 don't want to see a POC from a salesman, 
until they've spoken to someone who can actually explain, you know, like we talk now about the CPU right. and stuff. And yeah, and I, and I, I, I value that. Yeah, and, and I'm happy to, to come to those calls and talk to these guys about the technology and share, you know, what I'm excited about. This is a huge shift in like when, when I came into the world of tech, uh, you know, it was like through the 90s and the early 2000s. They like CIO, they used to joke says stands for career is over. It was somebody who was from a line of business and they're just like, we'll put them in charge of P&L for the, the tech side, which was viewed as a cost center and a drag on the real business. And now it's strategic and we have technical executives and the CISO is one of the most important mergers of technology and understanding the impact on the risk to the business in that like at some point when Sarbanes-Oxley came in, all these executives who were non-technical were signing their name on a piece of paper that they are personally responsible for the risk of the company. Yep. Then all of a sudden the need for a technical executive was imperative. And it was wild to see this shift that, and all of a sudden the security division had a team instead of a person who was like, Hey, let's, let's put Joanne in charge of security. She already, you know, dealt with like physical building security. We'll, we'll put it under her. And you're like, (laughs) it's like, no, no, I don't think you understand. It's a different attack vectors. This isn't somebody piggybacking through a door, you know, behind somebody saying, good morning, Joe, you know, and like walking into the cafeteria behind them. This is, they're piggybacking on your network. Uh, it's a very different way that we're going to see it. And so we've seen this evolution. And like you said, now, no, no CSO worth their salt is going to let a product come in the door where they don't truly vet the technical founders, you know, on what exactly yeah. it is that they're doing. Yeah. And we have also seen um, customers who really know how to compare and to assess the actual product. So when we're up in, um, in engagement where um, there's other companies also being evaluated, it's fun to see um, these people and, and what the attacks that they've previously seen that maybe I hope, I hope not, but got through their systems. And then they want to just see if now um, the current products know how to deal with this kind of stuff. Well, and we're, we're in a really neat phase. Like I love, I'm excited by like how easy it is to get involved in an active proof of concept versus before it was like the, the POC process was like, you would, you would go to them and said, what numbers do you want to see on the chart when we're done with this? And then you'd go away for 30 days and then come back with a chart that looked amazingly like the thing that they said they wanted. And you would back the numbers into it versus like your, the, the customers deeply involved in understanding the impact on their technology, the fact that there's more than one software in the stack. So they're going to live yeah. side by side. There's appliance-based, there's software-based. Uh, and that's also one of the funniest pivots I always see when people are surprised. They're like, wait a second, this company went from an appliance to as a service, you know, software only. Like that's... They've always been that way. It's just that they deliver the appliance as a way to deliver their as a service software. Like that wasn't a pivot. That was just, you know, they finally were ready to go on someone else's hardware that they could certify. And, and it's, but it's like I said, the process that you talked about is exciting that they are, the customers are actively involved in this. It's also challenging because now there's many more questions. You can't just walk in with the fancy chart at the end and, and say, yeah, we did it. Like we, they really want to test you throughout. 
Yeah. Uh, to help, we also, um, in the research team, we, we took end days. So these are um, exploits that didn't have an, they were software vulnerabilities that didn't have an exploit written for them. Right. Um, and to prove our tech, our technology, basically, we implemented the exploit. We wrote it so that if you run it on, um, I don't know, let's say if it was an exploit in uh, Adobe Reader, so you'd run it and it would pop you a little message like hacked by perception point. Yeah. Um, and this was, a, a, it's a CVE from 2015. <laughs> but the thing is that because the industry was based on signatures, I mean, it's, it's it depends on where, but um, for people who wait, let's say there's uh, back in the, right when we started, so sandboxes were all on-prem. They weren't as a service. Right. So um, they were, uh, the bigger the organization grew, the more traffic was coming in. And then they had to statistically choose which files they would uh, put or which one. Now we implemented these exploits and we would come to the client and say, all right, as part of your testing here, these are files you can test as well against whoever you want. And then um, there was one, there was one client that was funny. Um, he had a uh, content uh, uh, CDR, content disarm and reconstruct. Do you know those those products? They're really oh, cool. This is neat. Uh, yeah, what it does is it, if you send it a PDF, so it would break down the PDF to its core components. So this is a stream object. This is a uh, a text box. Blah blah blah. Re and then rebuild it. So if that if there's an exploit inside the format, so then it would uh, be disabled. Content right. disarm and reconstruct. That's basically the name. Um, but the funny thing is that the exploit that, I, that uh, in, in this instance I wrote um, in Adobe Reader, the content disarm and reconstruct only changed the hash of the file, but the exploit remained intact. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I got a, uh, we call that fudding, uh, fully undetectable. So I got a fudding as a service from a security vendor, <laughs> which was quite funny. Uh, so we sent it back to, we sent it to the client. It popped. So first thing, it, it got through. Second of all, it popped a little message box. And the guy was like, no, but it didn't do anything to my computer. We're like, no, no, it popped a message box to run calc. He's like, no, so so what if it runs calc? And then we're like, oh, okay, fine. And then he sent it back to us and it got reconstructed again. So we, we basically got a new sample that if that the first sample was now signatured, then we had a new sample. So it was kind of funny. Wait, and the whole the, the actual like the network and like the whole topology of businesses and the tech stack really fundamentally changed too because remember like it was the it was a boon for for Gigamon because all of a sudden there was like, the only way to catch the stuff was in flight through you know so like you only had a limit of the number of span ports you could have on a switch and so they came up with a span port aggregator because I'd had like you know, one organization worked at, we had like 20 different platforms and they all required individual span port access. You're like, goodness gracious, like, but each had its own functional purpose. And so that was it. We were Gigamon customers all of a sudden because you just couldn't physically do it with Cisco and Juniper and, and, and even Palo Alto, you know, at the, at the time. Yeah. And uh, so the world's was, come a lot from there. Yeah. Uh, like so it's now, all now a software defined, right? I mean, all that stuff. And, and then you get to the cloud providers. And so that's an interesting thing too. One of the problems you bump into when you're going through proof of concept, especially is you're effectively testing your platform and showing it works is an exploit where there's a lot of maybe adjacent things that are in the network that are like, they're going to maybe capture a, a heuristical change. They're going to see like you, 
the proof of concept is really difficult because you have to you have to exploit it actively in order to really see it in action. Otherwise, it's a lot of like, you know, what they in Sesame Street. So that's maybe it's a North American thing. You know, he said Ernie and Bert. And they when he puts yeah, a banana, I know that. puts a banana yeah. in his ear, and then yeah. Bert says, "Why do you have a banana in your ear?" He says, "It's to keep away elephants." He's like, "There aren't any elephants around here." He goes, "See, <laughs> <laughs> right?" So like when you go in, you're you have to prove a negative. Yeah. How are but, yeah? How are you going to prove that? And so, the only way to do it is to deliver a positive and then catch it, right? So, um, unfortunately, uh, from my experience, by the way, um, it doesn't help. When you bring your own samples and they're even though they're tailored and we can go to other security guys and they'll say, yeah, yeah, yeah this thing, even if we, I think even if we find zero days and don't, and like don't discuss, uh, disclose them, which we'll, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't do, we'd all disclose them. But let's say prove it to a client, it still won't be good enough. I think they need to see it on their own traffic. Okay, so they right. need to see it in their environment running. And then, which means that, that that was what I was talking about before, where the the POCs, we weren't passing them because we were looking for these black swans, right? And we needed to be looking for the for the day-to-day -day stuff, um, the phishing sites and the, the macros and stuff. And, and we took the platform to there, leveraging the, the CPU analysis and stuff. But we, we analyze the macros now as well. And we look at, um, you know, if if we can see like exactly what memory inside the word document if it came from the model vb the vbe model and it jumped to these kind of api calls um so we can prohibit them or we can flag them so that's how we can implement uh for instance a macro analysis right. and then the links i spoke about the browsers and then they need the client needs to see the value on his own traffic on his own co home court um and then that's how we saw this yeah. is, it is incredible. Like I'm, I'm always fascinated by when we see this, like, thankfully we've got, you can almost like walk in and just say, look, here's, here's thinking fast and slow proof that this stuff is interesting and solvable in ways that you like humans didn't realize it could be done. It's funny, like black swan is like such a perfect description of it because as Taleb and, and, you know, many folks would talk about, you know, you get asked all the time, how do I know, you know, show me that you can, you know, detect, how do I detect a black swan event? You know, I did disaster recovery and business continuity for a long time. And I would get asked by executives all the time, like, well, we need to make sure that we were ready for an event. I'm like, you know, cause so we can predict it. Like, well, you had me up until the predict part. Yes. <laughs> be as ready as you can be for an event, but there are sort of levels of preparedness and there's like, one situation I went through as at an organization, we had a, a power outage. Okay, great, right? So you have a power outage, no problem. You've got a battery. Immediately kicks in and turns on a generator. Perfect. Okay, great. Generator turns on, can run for eight hours. We have a contract with a diesel company, so they will just keep refilling it. Excellent. Okay, well, the problem is the power outage was not just us locally, but it was the entire eastern seaboard. Okay, perfect. So now we have a real problem. We're ready for eight hours. No worries. We can get the the diesel. We're like, well, the eastern seaboard's down. So are the hospitals. So are like all these other resources. And guess what? That contract you had with the diesel company is not worth anything because you're not a hospital. You don't have access to this anymore. So this thing that we thought we were prepared for, we weren't. Hmm. And there the 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 only way that you could know that you weren't ready was the lived experience. 
Like I was ready. I knew exactly what we were going into. We went in basically testing the plan. Yep. Because I built the whole plan for such an occasion as much as I could. A lot of the executive team were not caught in the right light because they said like, you know, we should be able to get through this. Like, no, we need to be, it's mitigation. Mitigation isn't solving. Mitigation is preparedness. <laughs> and Very you different. also have, I think you have a, um, a, uh, a point in, in between those two, which is, I guess you can have someone come and simulate the, like uh, we did that a lot, right? So you you want to simulate the actual events right. and run it, like run the playbook and, and you need to f- feel it. I was actually just talking to a friend of mine who's um, did a course in building board games. And the instructor told them that any idea that you have for your board game, try it out. You, you had an idea. It, it doesn't matter on, in your concept, in your thought. You need to see it played because you need the, the reality is very um, multi-vectored. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you want to see how everything comes and, and aligns as you experience it, as you play it. It's in, specifically in cybersecurity and, and, and specifically in in the POCs, when vendors, uh, when um, enterprises or our customers try new products and stuff, we and we've seen this, and we actually welcome it every time. They bring in a red team or another cybersecurity um, uh, uh, people that pen testers basically yeah. to try the the actual. You know, they they log them, they put all the clients in the POC, all the vendors inside the POC, and now it's 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 hot, it's running. What we call um, in, in we we say wet, right? Like you have dry runs and wet runs, right? So now yeah, it's yeah. A, this is a real active environment. This is our and now yeah, and go for it, you know. And uh, we even had a a, uh, a pen tester guys that they were so frustrated with us that they put our service on them as well. <laughs> <laughs> so they did get us in one point, and then um, they helped us on that. And then uh, and ever since we've been, we have a very good relationship. Every time they have an idea and they go and they test it out against us. And you well, need and this yin and yang. Absolutely. And, uh, and here's the, always the tough part too is, you know, at some point an exploit escapes, right? Something does get through. And the point is like, develop the new heuristic, develop the new methodology, you know, capture it. Like there will be a point where a new exploit does get through because nobody was prepared for it. Some, they were ahead as the old saying goes, right? Uh, Hackers only have to be right once. We have to be right every time. Right. And it's, it's such a challenge. And then the, the scary part as a, as a platform vendor and, you know, is that, you know, we all know the name Solar Winds now, not because yeah. of the amazing depth of technologies they present, because they've been called the Solar Winds hack, and it's terrifying because for a decade they're going to be labeled with that, even if they get through it, even if they get past it, right? There's a a very different responsibility as a security platform of like you have to not just maintain your customers' integrity but your own. Yes, it's a it's a it's an amazing thing. Like I said, and that's why massive respect to you and the team that like you're doing fantastic stuff at the technology layer. But you know, then showing it like in the business value, obviously that's going to give you the the commercial benefit that you well and truly deserve. But Eric, there's a, there's a very good question. There's a how well are we secure, right? I right. Mean, yeah, that's right. That, so obviously, yeah, we instate um, our software development security lifecycle. That we have this. Yeah, we, um, code doesn't go in without being reviewed by by a person. 
Um, in the case of Solar Winds, I mean, those guys were I mean, right. They were sitting in the build server and and injecting uh, code that will be signed as well while it ri arrives into the um, different platforms. That's so that means you you need to be inspecting every area of your um, development, um, the staging environments, the production environments, code integrity and runtime. And there's a there's a lot of challenges on that. Um, so that means, yeah, we also need a CISO and we also need to be protected and being on top of these um, these things. Um, actually, the American government just came out with a new, like a SOC 2, um, right. yeah, yeah. A, a new one. They called it CMMC or MCACM. I'm, I'm a bit uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> no one needs too, too many acronyms in our world. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but which is is raising the bar. I mean, yeah, well, um, this needs, you need to know where your code that you're running is coming from. And, and that is incorporated inside your platform as well, and, and every bit there and byte. Um, and, and don't ever forget reflecting trust on trust, a very, very old uh, um, and, and brilliant uh, concept, which is you, you don't know, I mean, you need to write, you have a compiler, right? So you have the source code of the compiler, but maybe the, who wrote for, it's like the egg and the chicken and the egg. Yeah, maybe yeah. the compiler is, um, is, uh, is compromised. Yeah, so, just just like the human body, the antibody is in fact a virus. It's just it's the way it's the reaction to the virus, but it's it itself is an exploit. It's yeah. such a an interesting you know world, and like you said, this is you know the solar winds, and I know of a ton of great people in in there, and and look like this is it, it was signed code that made it through. Like if we look at the fundamentals of it, it, it was. It's very difficult to capture this stuff. You know, no one will get caught twice. This is one of the things, right? It's, you know, and I do hope that they have faith, you know, that customers have faith in in the next phase of, of them as a company and in, in, in the technologies. And, you know, as I said, it's, and because of like what you and the team are doing, is like you have a chance now to, we can change the way we attack this problem. And, and it's exciting. You know, it's, uh, I, I should... Uh, I, my non-nerd friends will never get how exciting this is. I'm like, you understand everything you click, you just like the the human side of it is a fundamentally different thing. What we call the meatware, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we used it when I was a kid. We are uh, well, a kid a long time ago for sure. At least it was like they called it pebcac. Pair it was a problem exists between chair and keyboard. Uh, it was, uh, you know, and that was the, the, the chair keyboard interface is what broke the software. And we have this, like all of the security in the world, it won't stop. Oh, hi, Shlomi. This is uh, Eric from the help desk. Uh, looks like your mainframe password may have been compromised. Can you just confirm what it is? And I want to, <laughs> and it'd be like, oh my goodness. Uh, of course you're calling from the help desk. Like oh, I used to do this as basically a fishing expedition, a human fishing all the time in my organization, I would phone them. I just like go to a, a random phone in the room and just say like, Hey, this is Pete from the help desk. Uh, looks like we've got a problem. And like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, January one, two, three. I'm like, okay, good. Looks like we're okay. Uh, it was a different password that was, that was being logged. So we're in good shape. Thanks very much. And, you know, appreciate your attention to security. Like, Oh, like all the software yeah. in the world isn't going to save us from from Joe Joe in accounting who's going to give up his password over email, right? 
Well, that's yeah, a different no. problem that we can't solve. Uh, no software in the world will solve that uh, yep. that problem. But uh, with that, so Shlomi, thank you. Like we've we've gone in a lot of really exciting directions. I, I'd love to actually have you come back and we'll talk about the business and the startup build process because you know I we we had so much good stuff. I didn't want to derail and kind of circle back on that. But I'd mm-hmm. love to you know have a, an at length conversation about your team's journey, you know, through you know, funding and building and, and expanding and, and what that looks like. Cause that's definitely again, oh, with pleasure. Yeah, of course. It, it's exciting for people to hear that side of the story. And I, I didn't see any reason to cut off what was a fantastic conversation on the technology side to, to get to that. Um, so should, should I go into that now or? Um... Well, I'll tell you what, we'll save that. If you're okay, we'll, 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 I'll set up a second time and we'll have you back because I wa- I definitely want to really spend time and, and iterate through that. Cause that itself Perfect. Is, yeah. a, is a full set of chapters uh, that, that needs to be explored without being rushed. Yeah. yeah. And I, I've, yeah, I have this kind of story where uh, uh, once in a while, this delegation of startup, a startup delegation comes through the office. And um, these are people, South African people that come to Israel for startup nation reasons and stuff. Yeah. And then I give that that talk. I have like a, a talk about that. Oh, and fantastic. Then, yeah, yeah. So it's it, um, it will come up as well, like with the Silicon Valley. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Okay. Excellent. No, well, so Shlomi, for, for folks, I'll, obviously I'll have links to to uh, everything as far as you know, getting access to you know folks if they want to f- learn more about Perception Point, which they should. It's the, yeah. uh, it's easy to find. Uh, it, prevention yeah. as a service is something that is I love the tagline. You know, it's a beautiful description of of what's what's really necessary. And if they've listened to this, they understand what goes into it. Uh, is uh, an incredible challenge that that you and the team are getting through. Uh, so congratulations on that. And if folks want to connect with you directly, what's the best way they can do that? Shlomi? Yeah, just email me, uh, shlomi at perceptionpoint.io. Um, there's a hyphen in between the perception and the point. Yeah, that's it. Pretty easy. Excellent. excellent. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm here and and like and, and I'm really happy to discuss this stuff. Like, it's exciting for me. Cybersecurity. It will always be. <laughs> well, so, yeah. and I tell you, this is why it's a rare, a rare treat to find. Like it's, it's a, it's a difficult thing. People don't also, you know, technology is one problem. Being able to explain technology in an exciting way that that can entice people to care about it. Like that's really yep. what it is. And yep. it's like I know a lot of fantastic technologists that probably wouldn't pass a Turing test if they were put in a room full. <laughs> like it's there's a a, a code layer. Like it's, they've got a different part of their brain is active that yep. they've had to effectively surrender a portion of the brain, which is the marketing, you know, like the, yeah, you know, the, the true people. introverts, you know, I'm, I'm an introvert by nature, but I'm an extrovert by career. It's I do, I hit a wall every once in a while. I'll, I'll say I'm like Asperger's light. Like I, every once in a while, I'm just like, okay, I got to go. And I just have to leave the room and just like walk around the block a couple of times and reset. But, you know, so like I said, to meet somebody like you who can, you know, dive into the tech, relate the story. And ultimately that makes you a great mentor and a sharer that other people can learn, you know, and then there's like the true code layer. But the amazing thing is, like I said, then you could probably sit down at the keyboard with them. And yep. blow some minds with what you can do down there too. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, so thank you very much, Eric. I really thank enjoyed it. Yes, on the Shlomi, thank you very much. Yeah.